Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So screaming from the sidelines is something that has been going on a lot lately in the basketball community. I know it's been a little bit since we put an episode out, but uh, the attitude and the behavior hasn't changed a tiny, even a sliver of a bit right there. So, uh, look, I usually like to fire up people with big old intros, but I'm just going to cut to the chase. Anthony DiNardo is the host of the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. He's having a good day, and he had a really good night last night. But I just got to ask you, man, how much have you aged in the past week? Listen, this series has been one for the ages. It has gave me feelings that I've quite literally never experienced in my entire life, particularly that game six. I mean, it was very weird all the way going back to game three where I'm like, damn, they about to really go to the NBA finals. But I've been a sports fan long enough to know that Anything is specifically with this heat team. Anything is possible. So started celebrating a little bit, but then you're like, all right, we'll get the job done next game. They folded at home. It's all good. I'm like, parties moved to two days later. They lost again. And then eventually we got to that game six where after going through the roller coaster of emotions where I felt like I was in some sort of fever dream, living in the simulation, we down 10, we see Jimmy take the lead on Al Horford. He gets his redemption from last year. And then all of that is just taken like this with a Derek White put back at the buzzer. That night was rough. And then you get, of course, the great excitement of a game seven, which was chilling. And thank God that game was not close because quite honestly, Greg, I don't know if I could have handled it. Uh, so to answer your question, I've aged quite a lot, but I think it's made me a better sports fan and I'm here for it, man. You know, that was only the fourth time that we've had a game seven in the NBA playoffs due to a team being down 3-0 and then winning three straight. But it's the first one where it was in the age of Twitter and TikTok and constant distraction of memes. So I feel like it was just next level escalation of emotion and uh, pain or jubilation for fans. Uh, It was the first one since 2003. And the Heat are now the first one to do it on the road in winning a game seven. I do find it very fascinating that four times it's gone from 3-0 to 3-3. And every single time now, the team that had lost momentum found a way to close it out in the end. And the mental resilience of the team for the Miami Heat is just unbelievable. The regular season was really ugly. I didn't pay that much attention to a lot of the regular season. Just a lot of games on the East Coast, a lot of NBA league pass. They were just so inconsistent and not the most fun. And then once they uh, won a couple against the Bucks, I had to take them seriously. And I will even admit, I thought the Bucks had a chance to come back from 3-1 because they had two games at home. And that was just completely wrong. And then once the Heat... Uh, one game, one against the Knicks, I'm thinking, okay, I think they're going to win the East. This is just different. There's some playoff gremlin that you cannot kill. You cannot kill them. It is impossible. And here we are. So I do want to talk about the finals and preview that. I know that's something you have to look forward to now. Crazy quick turnaround. You thought you were going to get a nice five-day early summer relaxation period in south of Florida. But instead, you just got to keep hammering games away and experience the full arc of happiness, sadness, any type of emotion you could possibly feel. As you said, it made you feel things that uh, you had never felt before. And let's talk about Game 6 for a moment before we move off of that. Because I know people are now going to say, 
oh, the Derek White game winner doesn't count in the same way. And it doesn't count in the same way in terms of changing the history books. But with basically a game seven for the Celtics, it was on the line and they completely blew that last bit. Also, the Heat were clutch. You know, it was a combination of the two. It's really rare that you have both fan bases celebrating when the buzzer goes off thinking they won. Did you think that you were in the clear or initially did you think White got that shot off? Well, before I relive those great, great memories that I look back on so fondly, where are you coming from? Because you said that over here on the East Coast, and I'm asking because I'm confused because I see a Gordon Hayward jersey behind you, a Kelsey Plum, and a Jamal Murray. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out how those three relate to each other. You know, uh, as far as are you talking about my personal fandom or just the choice of decorations? Oh, either one, man. Either one. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a NorCal uh, Warriors fan who is super bitter because nothing ever goes our way and we lost to the Lakers. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I did hate losing to the Lakers, though. That is true. Um, the Kelsey Plum, I just you know got into the W last year and have tried to loop that into my podcast. And uh, she played in the Pac-12. I grew up rooting for Cal. So she went to Washington. Not exactly the same thing, but the Aces are a lot of fun. I'll fully admit that uh, that's a bandwagon effect. I like that team. The Gordon Hayward, that was like in my phase of with a lot of my friends going on. Uh, uh, what were all the sites? AliExpress and DHgate just getting like random niche jerseys. I thought that Butler team was a fun one. Uh, and then Jamal Murray in the bubble was just incredible to watch. Uh, that was a year where the Warriors were like 15 and 50. And I just kind of had to get into something. And so I uh, just thought Bubble Murray with the freedom on the back was wrong way um was just uh it was one of my favorite runs to watch for sure but uh to tell you the truth as far as this finals goes i'm totally happy with whoever wins i'm not going to get overly emotional about this series and uh very happy to see both of these teams in the finals because anytime that a great player has a chance to get their first championship ring it's really hard to root against that and now we're going to get that one form or another so that's kind of where i'm at well, I do got some respect for you because after that picture of Kelsey Plum went viral last year, after the Aces won it all and she had that cigar in her mouth, uh, I quietly became a big fan of hers as well. And also, I actually went on AliExpress and I copped some Hakeem Olajuwon merch also. It's a good site to go. That's my favorite play. And they got, they got some good stuff, so I get you there. But, man, yeah, yeah. let me tell you about that, that Game 6 experience. Uh, I was out of town. I had a trip planned to New Mexico to visit some family. And uh, it was a trip that was planned a long time ago uh, at a point in time where the Eastern Conference Finals uh, were seen as a joke to Heat fans. Uh, it was at a point where even the playoffs seemed like a long shot. Uh, and I'm actually, unfortunately, have another trip planned to Chicago uh, next week. So I'll be out of town for a lot of those games, too, and I'll have to be watching. But I'm still glad they made it. Uh, it's just a, a crazy time. But anyways, I was in New Mexico surrounded by a, a lot of people, not many of them basketball fans, but they were watching because of me. Uh, and they saw the emotion I went through of this, this pure ecstasy coming all the way back down 10, Jimmy Butler to the line. I'm sitting there. Uh, my, my head was in my shirt cause I couldn't watch. I'm not gonna lie. But then I sat here and I'm like, if Jimmy Butler's not nervous, I can't be nervous. So I went ahead. I glued my eyes to the TV, saw him knock down three straight free throws. Everyone is over there celebrating. They think the game's over. Like I said, I'm a seasoned fan. I know that's not the case. And of course I was just happy to see Jason Tatum didn't get the ball. Uh, the shot went to Smart. He went up. No good. Saw the Derek White put back. And my, I wasn't like one of those Heat fans that, that turned away. I, I watched to the last second and then some. Saw the White put back and initially was not concerned. Then I started celebrating because I wanted to see the replay. 
But in my eyes, I said, there's no way he got that off in time. Uh, so I was a little nervous just sitting there. And then as soon as they showed the first replay, all these emotions of pure joy and angst and anxiousness, they immediately left my body and I turned into a stone cold blank statue. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I had all these people in the Airbnb watching me. Uh, I tried to stay out there for like another 30 minutes while everyone was hanging out just so I didn't look like some kind of baby who cares this much about a child's game, even though I do. Uh, but I, I couldn't take it, man. They still had the TV on TNT. I'm watching them talk to Jalen Brown, Derek White. Uh, and I just went up to my room at, at 9 p.m. In, in New Mexico. That was the time. Uh, and I went to bed. Uh, and every time it was tough because every time I closed my eyes, I saw that picture of Derek White with his giant forehead, that black and white picture that was going viral. And it caused me nightmares. And my favorite thing about winning game seven is I no longer have to care about how that shot made me feel. So I'm feeling great. That's a good way to put it. I thought the Derek White shot was actually short, which is crazy because uh, not to pat myself on the back or anything, but I'm usually pretty good at telling if I think a shot got off or not in a split second time. And in the White case, for some reason, I just thought it didn't. I thought there was not that much time on the clock. Smart took a fadeaway shot, went in and out, and uh, the White thing was a little last-minute heave, and it was just so chaotic. And then, yeah, seeing the replay, I was like, whoa, he actually got in there, and that was pretty incredible what he did and I think the mental resilience of this heat team to not only lose three straight but to lose game six at home in that fashion and then to turn around in 48 hours and punch the Celtics in the mouth in Boston was absolutely wild especially when yeah Jimmy Butler finished with 28 points but I wouldn't say it was your signature playoff Jimmy performance yesterday Bam out of bio. I know he made some impact defensively, but he looked terrible for most of the game. And then you got uh, my favorite, Gabe Vincent, because he's a gaucho. UCSB, Gabe Vincent was just balling, even though he didn't play much of the last stretch. And then Caleb Martin, I mean, arguably could have been the series MVP. I have no problem with them giving it to Jimmy Butler. He's seriously one of the greatest leaders of our generation and Probably in the last 50 years, I just hate doing the all-time thing because my basketball watching lifetime only extends back to about 2007 for what I can really remember in terms of details. Uh, so Jimmy Butler, an all-time leader, um, and and yeah, Caleb Martin, uh, I think he shot over 50% in six of the seven, maybe five of the seven games, but 11 for 16 shooting and 26 points was everything they needed. They needed every bit of that. And uh, it, it's really cool. You know, the, 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 uh, what was I going to say? The, uh, the field of the NBA playoffs has continually expanded outward. We started with two of each seed. Then we had one through eight. Then we had one, two, seven, eight. And now we got one, eight. So on paper, this is a matchup that's not favorable in the sense that the Nuggets play four games and are rested. Uh, the Heat played seven and should be exhausted. The Nuggets are in home court advantage and they are in altitude, whereas the Heat are got to go on the road and then, you know, continuing their long road trip. But I think anyone at this point would find it very stupid to just write off the Heat. So where are you at with this series? Do you feel like game one might be a bit of a wash just on the fatigue factor and then they get competitive after that? Like, it's just kind of hard. People say they know what they're getting with this Heat team, but in this case, I don't really know what we are getting. These are the two teams that have been the best all playoffs. 
in two very different styles to get to this point. Yeah, so as far as game one, actually the factor that I'm kind of looking forward to most to see how it plays out is the rest versus rust factor. Because when the Heat initially lost that game four, obviously it was tough. Boston kind of pulled away a lot at the end there. But I looked at it and said, one, I think it's good that this team had a tough loss before the playoffs because you kind of want to get gut checked a little bit there. And I don't really want to go in the finals on like a six game win streak, which is what it would have been, which is kind of what Denver is doing too. And I also said, over a week is a little bit too much of a rest. I kind of would like ideally somewhere in the the five-day range, four to five-day range. Uh, and obviously, if they would have swept, they would have had, I think, what Denver had, which is like eight, nine days. So I actually look for the Heat to come off to a strong start tomorrow just because I think Denver is going to probably come out a little bit rusty. And then towards the end of the game is when you think a lot of that fatigue will kick in. Now, I think the Heat can compete in any close game. They show that Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the clutch as Nikola Jokic. Uh, so those are some of the things I look forward to seeing in, in game one and kind of how that rest versus rust factor plays out. But as far as the rest of the series, I'm really going back and forth on whether I should use logic or, or whether I should just scream guts. Uh, because you brought up a great point earlier saying how this is the first 3-0 comeback uh, to force a game seven in the social media era. I was fighting for my life on Twitter uh, and on some of the other shows I was doing like on the basement uh, sports network that I'm also a part of. Uh, they were kind of feeling nervous after the Heat had dropped two straight, uh, and then eventually they lost that home game, which is where things looked really bleak. Uh, and yeah, after that game six, I didn't feel great, but I was sitting here saying, listen, teams have never came back from 3-0 for a reason. It's hard to do. And for Boston to do that, they would need to have four straight games shooting the lights out, and they need Miami to have four straight games playing terrible. Realistically, I didn't think that's realistic, and I didn't think a team of the mental makeup and the mental fortitude of the Miami Heat would be the first team to blow a 3-0 lead. Jimmy Butler was not going to be the first player to do it. Eric Spolster was not going to be the first coach to, to uh, fall like that. I just didn't believe that's going to happen. And that goes back to me basically just screaming guts and heat culture. And sure enough, that's kind of what got the job done for them outside, of course, the incredible shooting by nearly the entire team, which I guess is the most important factor. So I sit here thinking about how I think this series is going to go. And man, the matchups over the years with Denver has not gone well. I think they're like two and 10 or two and 15 in their last however many games in Denver. The last time they won, I think, is back when Norris Cole had a great game. That's how rare it is that I remember that. Uh, it's tough. That home court advantage is not a joke like TD Garden is. That place does not scare me. Neither does the Mecca. Those are two of the biggest fraudulent home crowd advantages I've ever seen. Denver scares me because of the home court, because they have a guy, Nikola Jokic, that Miami has nobody that can match up with. Bam Adebayo is a phenomenal defender. He even does great on the bigger guys like Joel Embiid. But for some reason, Nikola Jokic has his number as he does everybody because he's the back-to-back -back MVP for a reason. But in Miami, they like to do this thing where they'll kind of take out the other star players with a lot of double teams and switches. Nikola Jokic is the last guy you want to do that to because he's going to find guys wide open. So I'm very curious to see if Spolstra goes with his typical game plan of shutting down stars, forcing the other guys to beat you, or if in this case he says, let's just cover the shooters, let Jokic get his, and see if he can beat us on 50 points a game alone from himself. So I, I'm, I also don't know what you're getting from this Heat team. <laughs> that was a great statement from you, and I think anybody that knows what they're getting is a liar because they have been up and down all year to the highest degree. Except in the playoffs when they just hit the freaking gas pedal, and then the only time they looked vulnerable was uh, just in this last week. But 
pretty incredible stuff. I think that's a really great analysis you give with the struggles of defending Jokic and how if you're going to double team him and try to get the ball out of his hands, that's almost worse because of all these advanced analytics showing uh, what a crazy good offensive piece he is in terms of making everyone else better. Like he's just this guy that simply does make the best basketball play out there and doesn't really hold a lot of ego out there. Guys finally in the finals, the Denver Nuggets are in the finals for the first time. And I think everybody just wants to win. When it was 3-0, I went on another Believe Coworkers podcast, Aaron Tobin Hess, for the love of the game. Shout out to uh, the New York Nick uh, Screamer, I I guess is a good way to label him. But we were assuming Nuggets heat at this point in the series and talking about what that would look like. And we agreed defending Jokic would be a hard problem. But I also threw in the other area that might get talked about now. I haven't heard a lot of talk about it up to this point, which is that for Eric Spolstra, this is going to be his toughest test in terms of a chess match that we've seen in the playoffs. I mean, no disrespect to Joe Mazzulla, Tom Thibodeau, and Mike Budenholzer, and they're all great teams. He did a lot to win that series and deserve it. But Mike Malone is just one of four coaches that has held his same job since 2019, like really not that long ago, with the other two being Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich. So Mike Malone, uh, he can make adjustments too. And that's kind of what I was saying when the Nuggets narrowly won game one and people thought the Lakers were easily going to come back and adjust. And I'm thinking Mike Malone's been pretty good in the playoffs throughout his time too. So I think you're going to see a lot of back and forth here. During your last uh, answer, I was also looking at some betting Odds, the Heat right now on Bet Online are eight and a half point underdogs for game one. I'm not overly surprised by this line, um, just because if they are gassed and it does turn into a lopsided affair, they could kind of throw in the towel early on this one. If I had to place a bet down, I would probably take the plus eight and a half just because that's a large enough margin where in an NBA Finals game, why not? But to be completely honest, I don't think I'll be throwing money at this game at all. I need to see at least one before I can gauge the rest. As far as finals MVP goes, I think betting on anybody not named Jokic or Butler is a worthless bet, even if you get odds on it. Right now, Jokic is the runaway favorite at minus 400. Jimmy Butler at plus 335 coming in second. And then finally, in terms of the series price, Not a terrible deal on the Heat. I did place money on them to beat the Celtics when I got it at plus 435. So I was really happy about that until I almost thought I was going to lose money. Nuggets are at minus 420 and the Heat are at plus 340. If you think the Nuggets are going to win, I still wouldn't place the bet because it's a terrible return on investment. Um, Yeah, I think with all bets going on this series, I probably need to watch at least one game to get any sort of opinion and semblance of what this thing is going to be. But uh, the one thing I do feel confident in is that it's probably not going to be a one-sided affair. The only case I see that being a four or five game series is if Denver is just simply fresher than they are and they cannot defend Jokic and the heat run out of gas. Uh, Aside from that, which may or may not happen, I think this is going at least six games. Um, Have you made an official prediction yet? Uh, I've made about seven official predictions. Uh, which one I'm going nice. to give on on this show? I'll see by the by the time I'm done talking. I certainly would smash the Miami Heat in the first half tomorrow because I'm telling you, I've seen this time and time again. The team that's had a ton of of ton of rest comes out very slow to start the next game. 
And it's not like the Miami Heat are just getting one day off. They are still getting an extra day. Uh, and I do think that will be to their benefit. So I do look for them to have a strong first half and certainly a strong first quarter. I do like, uh, I want to bring back to the point you said about Michael Malone. It's, this is something I said for a long time. I don't think teams give their coaches enough slack. How are you supposed to get any better if you're firing guys every one to two years? It doesn't make sense to me. I've seen the Heat stick it out through Eric Spolster through thick and thin. Uh, they obviously haven't missed the playoffs much in his tenure, but he certainly had some really, really poor seasons. And the way you get better is by sticking through those guys. I mean, there's all this talk about the, the Celtics letting Joe Mazzulla go. Like he just went to the Eastern Conference final in his first year. He's 34 years old. Their starting center is older than him. I don't think it'd be fair to him uh, if they were to let him go. I don't think it'd be fair to any coach they do that. And I think it's impossible to make them any better if you do let them go. Uh, and because Mike Malone has been there for a handful of years now, I do think that is to their benefit. And Spolster doesn't have as big an advantage as he has in, the, uh, in his, the coaching matchup as he did in other series. But I still think he has a ton because you look at this Nuggets team, I don't think they've had a single guy go to the finals before, I guess outside of Pope with the Lakers. When you look at this Heat team, you had pretty much the the entire roster, in fact, uh, go to the finals outside of, I guess, Caleb Martin and Max Struess. Even Gabe Vincent was on that bubble team. And obviously you have a couple of champions in Lowry and Kevin Love and Udonis Haslam. So I think that will go a long way. Now, as far as giving an official prediction for this series, uh, it'd be very difficult for the Heat to win game seven on the road like they did this series. I do think that's a rare thing. Uh, in this Eastern Conference final case, it was more so storybook because Boston did it to us last year. It was only fitting that we returned the favor this year. Uh, so I'll say Heat in six just because I can't bet against my squad. But also, Believe asked me, and I don't remember if you were part of that, but they asked me back in October in the preseason to for every NBA host to give their finals predictions. And I said the Miami Heat over the Denver Nuggets in six. I was the only person to pick the Miami Heat to go to the finals. And I was one of two people to pick the Denver Nuggets. 80% of them had the Milwaukee Bucks, and obviously that was flat out wrong after the Heat gentlemen swept them in the first round. So I might as well stick out that prediction. Heat and six, just keep it going as we go along. Obviously, game one will be very telling. The thing that I'm looking forward to most is the play of Bam Adebayo because he has been terrible. He has been worse than awful. Whatever word you want to use to describe Bam, that just means god-awful. That's what he was those last four games. And all Heat fans, including myself, are very disappointed in him. When I'm watching him get locked up by Al Horford, who's about 10 years older than he is, that's just very sad. He's not being aggressive. He's playing soft. And the reason why it's frustrating as Heat fans is because he can be dominant when he wants to. We saw him take over that Knicks series. We saw him have like 22 and 17 in game two versus Celtics. Where was that at the rest of the series, Bam? And if he was ever going to do it, if there was ever a way that he could open this up against the, uh, the Denver Nuggets be, uh, by attacking Nicole Jokic and his biggest problem, which is obviously his defense, his perimeter defense, his foot speed. So if there was ever a way that he could get this done and for Bam to be successful, he needs to be aggressive. He needs to attack Jokic. And obviously that'll just open up everything else for the Miami Heat. And it'll be a big problem for the Denver Nuggets. Problem with Bam, we'll never know if we see it. He's the type of guy that he'll give you a great game and then four bad ones and then two good ones. Well, He's had four bad ones in a row, so I am hopeful that a game coming up very soon will be a, bam, a dominant BAM game. I just hope he has it in him for multiple games this series. So let's go Heat in six. Let's say it's a bounce-back game for BAM, uh, but Jimmy Butler will probably lock up that finals MVP. Yeah, I love that a lot. I think uh, I, I guess I will make a prediction on the show because it is my show, and that would be pretty rough to ask you your prediction and then wimp out. Uh, I'll add a little caveat to my prediction saying that I could very well flip whatever it's going to be 
after one game of this series when I see some action. Nope, no, no, that's not. But you can't make predictions with caveats. Everybody's trying to do that. I heard, I heard Heat fans say, "Well, I'm gonna pick uh, the Heat if Jimmy Butler plays well." No, I need you to give me an official prediction right now, Greg, and what you think is. No, happen. you're right. You're you're totally right. And when I say caveat, I don't mean publicly change my prediction. I mean in my heart, be like, "Oh, that sucks. I should have done something else." I will not. I will not flip flop publicly. I promise you that I'll stick with it to the end. Uh, the prediction I gave when it was 3-0 heat and it was looking like this was going to be the series. I did say nuggets in seven because it's really hard for me to pick an advantage one way or another. When I look at the fact that these two teams have been by far the best in the postseason. I know the heat just had a little hiccup and almost lost it, but they didn't. And I don't think anyone can say this is the incorrect finals. Denver blazed their way through the Western conference and the heat kind of dominated their way through the East when showing up when it mattered most yesterday. So it's the correct finals. And the reason I went with Denver is because I think defending Jokic is going to be hard. I think that uh, both teams have been very good at home in the playoffs. I know the heat just lost two in that last series, um, but the Celtics have their backs against the wall and they're a very talented team. So just off the basis that Denver does have a little bit extra to play at home and I think that both coaches are going to adjust very well and we'll see back and forth. I would go with Nuggets in seven. Um, I think I would be happy to start feeling like it's going to be wrong and watching the Heat go in to make history. I, like I said, I'm not going to get overly emotional about the series. I think I'll be content with watching Jokic and Murray get a ring. I'll be totally content with watching Jimmy Butler and this unlikely run in the NBA playoffs going and doing it. And what's amazing about this team, Anthony, is that in March Madness, you see some crazy upsets. Uh, in the NHL playoffs, you see some crazy upsets. Baseball, it can be a really weird postseason game with how many regular season games they got to get through. In basketball, typically the better team wins in a seven-game series. And I think that's why we have the series. So watching a team like an eight seed not only find a way to win a series and then another series and another series, but also look like the best team while going through that path is something that I frankly have never seen before in my life. And it's kind of hard to believe that this is a team that was trailing the Chicago bulls by a point with about three minutes to go and an elimination game. It's like the play in tournament didn't really matter to them. And then they're thinking, okay, now we're going to just turn it up and become something else. So um, again, if the Heat continue this shocking run that they're on and give the Nuggets a really hard time, that'd be very, very fun for me to watch. And I wouldn't be mad about being wrong whatsoever, but uh, really cool that we're just going to see something new. I know I'm a Warriors fan, so um, I've gotten to enjoy a lot of repeat champions over the last decade or so, but uh, there's nothing about the Denver Nuggets or the Miami Heat that can really bother me as a basketball fan watching them, you know, take the crown from us as the reigning champions this year. So um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, I really should have brought my bucket hat into the room to uh, wear because I know that's what Tyler Hero has kind of contributed as bench energy and his fashion icon. We might actually get to see real Tyler Hero in a basketball jersey shooting in this series Talk to me about Tyler Hero because you mentioned Nikola Jokic and maybe getting him out of the paint a little bit and testing his perimeter defense. If you can add a guy like Hero into this rotation to maybe get some shots up, does the prospect of Hero getting minutes again, 
Does that excite you or does that make you nervous knowing that they've had something going so well without him this whole time? I am very well primed for this discussion. I got into a major couple hour long uh, debate with the boys in the group chat about this just earlier today when someone had brought up Tyler Hero. Uh, the discussion was brought up a couple weeks ago when they made the conference finals. If he could miraculously, if he could miraculously come back, what I wanted, my answer was a hard no. I said, if they make it this far without him, why the hell would you bring him back? That just didn't make any sense to me. And that was at a time where Gabe Vincent was playing dominant. Kyle Lowry was playing dominant. Now, Gabe has still been all right, but Kyle Lowry has been awful. <laughs> he's been terrible. He's showing a, he's back to regular season Kyle Lowry. Now, it's funny, though, because when Tyler first got hurt in game one versus the Bucs, uh, of course, after the game, we got the prognosis, it'd be six to eight weeks. And they all said if the Heat were to make the finals, he could return. And we all laughed it off like that'd be some kind of joke. But it's it's just unreal to think that here we are eight weeks later and they're in the finals and we're actually talking about a potential return. So I don't want that to be lost in the Tyler Hero discussion, whether you want him to come back or not. That being said, going into the finals, I did say I was in favor of getting him some run off the bench, but it has less to do with how much I believe in him, uh, which is not a lot. And it has more to do with how little I believe in Kyle Lowry. And I don't think that Tyler Hero is a bad player. He was obviously very great last year, and he was about the same this year, which is a problem because he had a bigger role as a starter, and he shot, he scored just as many points, and he was least efficient doing it. But he was fine. But obviously at his age, you want to see him take some steps. So I wasn't super optimistic about him, but I wasn't on the internet talking a bunch of trash about him because I thought he, I thought he was fine. I thought he had a fine regular season. That being said, watching this playoff run they've got on, and watching them do all of this without Tyler Hero, I did not think that was a coincidence. A lot of the things that Heat fans have said about Gabe Vincent, who's of course kind of played the Tyler role, are the same things we said about Tyler and the fact that he takes a lot of shots, disrupts the offense, takes some bad shots, and he's inefficient, very inefficient at times. All the same problems we said with Tyler. The difference is Gabe Vincent is an absolute dog on defense. He's giving you phenomenal work on 50% of the ball. When Tyler Hero is doing all those things, he's giving you nothing, nothing. And that's a huge problem. And I honestly believe that if Tyler Hero was here, I don't think they would have made it to this point in the season. And people could say, oh, well, what about last year? Tyler Hero was hurt last year too. He did not return until game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals in which he came in, he was hobbled, so he sucked and they lost that game. I think that if he was here, they would not have made it this far. So I was against him coming back at first. However, Kyle Lowry has shown that he is also playing like a 38-year-old in which he is, and he's been terrible. They say, at least if he's missing shots, he's a high IQ player. I don't see it. The man jumps in the ball without knowing where he's going to pass it and throws it to the other team. That's, that's grade A stuff they teach you in AAU basketball when you're in middle school. I'm not a fan of Kyle Lowry. He's not making those shots. He's letting guys blow by him. And he was very good this playoff run up until a few games ago. But I think his age is finally starting to show, and I'm completely ready to completely get him out of the rotation because the other team always goes on a run when he comes in. Well, that opens up spots uh, a spot for Tyler Hero. Now, if he can come in in those minutes, and if he can be efficient, if he can be a bench plug, a hot scorer to get hot, it might work well. So I'm really just uh, in favor of playing Tyler just because why not? You might as well try something. If it doesn't work, go back to Lowry and just survive those minutes. I mean, this is the NBA Finals. You're playing seven, eight guys at most. That eight or maybe ninth guy is not playing more than five to 10 minutes, just like Hay Hayward Heisman did last game, who was great. And I actually hope to see some more of him too. As far as the matchup with Denver, 
yeah, Nikola Jokic, he, he probably is going to play a lot of drop coverage. Ty, Tyler here's a three-level scorer, so maybe that's something he can attack. But really, it's just going to come down to him hitting shots. I will give him credit. Tyler Hero was hitting shots in the first game versus Milwaukee until he got hurt in the third quarter. Maybe he can carry that over. The problem is I don't want to see him take minutes from Duncan Robinson because Duncan Robinson's shooting 50% from three. Tyler Hero is not going to better that. Caleb Martin has obviously been phenomenal, should have been MVP. Tyler Hero is not going to better that. And Gabe Vincent's shooting the same as you can expect from Tyler, and he's playing great defense. So I don't want to see Tyler take minutes from any of those guys. I also don't. I also think all of this talking is just a moot point because I don't think Spolstra will play him at all. I think Spolstra loves defense. I think he sees what's going on, and I think he understands that Tyler will disrupt a lot of this. I think he'll give Tyler a chance, but he'll have a quick plug if things are not going well. I loved all that answer, and I want to talk a little bit more about Gabe Vincent in addition to me being super biased and positive toward my gaucho, but. The Gabe Vincent defensive factor is very real, and I think you can make a strong case of him being the X factor in the series. He's not going to be the most important player, probably, unless you know something crazy does happen. But Rob Perez had a tweet that I thought was awesome uh, and very accurate, which was in the middle of Game 5, the one back in Boston where they got blown out. And he said about in the early second quarter, if you didn't appreciate Gabe, Gabe Vincent's pick-and-roll defense, now would be a good time because that was the game that Vincent was obviously out. I don't think Gabe Vincent playing in that game was going to change the outcome because of how ugly that entire game was. But having Lowry out there taking all those minutes from Vincent was clearly a problem when the Celtics were already making a high volume of shots anyway. If we're talking about the best pick-and-roll duos in the NBA, I'm sure I'm going to miss some, but this is just going off the top of the dome. You've got Steph and Draymond, you have Fox and Sabonis, uh, and you got Jokic and Murray is a big one because of the high IQ of Jokic. And now that Jamal Murray is getting a little healthier, we see he can make a lot of tough shots, especially uh, when he gets fearless late in games. So Vincent is probably going to have his hands full with Murray, and I expect him to be the primary defender on Denver's star guard. When Vincent has to get a little bit of rest, I don't know if we're going to see a lot of Kyle Lowry on Jamal Murray matchups. Are you looking toward maybe Caleb Martin taking some of that burden or Jimmy Butler even? Because I don't know how they're going to approach the defense when Jokic is already going to be a lot to deal with for Bam. And then you're going to have to do something on the perimeter to stop Jamal Murray, who was just scorching hot in that Lakers series. Yeah, that's one reason I have a lot of confidence in this Heat team is they have multiple, multiple defenders that I think can guard you know, the, the perimeter, they can guard that point of attack. When you look at the Lakers series, AD is a great big man defender. Jared Vanderbilt, great big man defender. Those guys aren't necessarily locking up the perimeter. You go to their guards, you got D'Angelo Russell, turnstile. Austin Reeves, yeah, he's more of just a scorer. Dennis Schroeder is solid on defense, but he's still a little small. And now you look at the Miami Heat, Gabe Vincent can guard those guys on the perimeter. Caleb Martin can. And if you need to, you can put Jimmy Butler on them. You can put Bam out of bio on any guard in the league. I don't care. He will lock them up. And if this team had Victor Oladipo, that'll be a completely different dimension. He is a guy whose name hasn't been said enough that I think they will miss a lot. He was the primary defender on Jalen Brown last year and was phenomenal on him. Brown scared me a lot going into this series, but obviously they were able to find a way to contain him. So if they can contain him, I think they'll find a way to contain Murray this series as well because they have so many guys that can do it. We've seen it with the Nuggets, Aaron Gordon. He's been kind of a pick-and-pop guy, a guy that at times can stand in the corner. 
Of course, the same with Michael Porter Jr. <coughs> Excuse me. And those are guys that you can put Max Struess on because all they got to do is hang out there in the corner. You can put Duncan Robinson on those guys. What that means, let's say you need uh, Bam on uh, Jokic. You need Bam there. That allows Jimmy to go on Jamal Murray. Hell, put Hayward Highsmith in the game. He was pickpocketing Jason Tatum in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals last game. I died laughing. I could not believe what I was watching, seeing Hayward Highsmith do that, who his defensive numbers have really been phenomenal all series, and I'm starting to become a bigger fan of his the more I watch him. You have plenty of guys that you can put out there because this Heat team, they're a defensive-minded team. It just so happens that in the playoffs, they decided they want to shoot the lights out too, and that's why they're in this spot. So you take all that versatile, athletic talent, and you give them Eric Spolstra, there's no doubt in my mind they'll find a way to be able to contain him. The problem is Nikola Jokic, who is easily and very clearly one of the best players of all time. No matter who you throw at him, uh, he's going to find a way to get his. But as far as the other guys, they don't necessarily scare me as much. Nikola Jokic will get his no matter what. I think that the triple doubles is likely and him scoring in the high 20s at least is something we're probably going to see in a lot of games. And as cliche as this could sound, I think it's very, very true when you look at this matchup that the Heat have to win this game as a team. Like Jimmy Butler, as great as he can be, probably isn't going to out-duel Nikola Jokic in a one-on-one throughout this series. But the Heat as a unit... I see a face. Well, I mean, then again, Jimmy did score 56 in a playoff game. So uh, it did happen. Uh, Actually... Now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't have this question planned, but Jimmy seemed to be moving a little bit gingerly and just not his normal burst of speed for a lot of yesterday, even though he ended up being very effective. The first half, he wasn't being as aggressive as I thought a star player might be in a game seven. Do you worry that there's any injury concern with Butler and there might be something he's really just playing through that's kind of more than just minor playoff fatigue and soreness? Yeah, the reason I made that face when you brought up Jimmy Butler is because round one this year, everybody said, Jimmy can't outscore Giannis. He can't outplay Giannis. Giannis the best player in that series. And I said, yeah, he might be, but I'm not betting against playoff Jimmy. Jimmy Butler was far and above the best player in that series. You go to the conference finals, everybody said, oh, Celtics in five, maybe six. Jason Tatum, the best player in that series. And I stood on my high horse and said, anyone who thinks Jason Tatum is the best player in that series is crazy. They go, oh, Tatum scored 51 in game seven. Okay, let me tell you about that game seven. The man had about 20 points. The weak-ass Philadelphia 76ers mentally quit, and then he had a ton of points in garbage time, and he was gunning and stat padding for 50 points. And you know it, because as soon as he scored 50, 50, he put it the 5-0 with his hands. He was going for it. Meanwhile, Jimmy Butler put 56 points on defensive player of the year, Giannis Adenokounmpo, the runner-up, Brooke Lopez, and the best perimeter defender in the league, Drew Holiday. That's what Jimmy was doing to that team. He wasn't beating up on a weak uh, Joel Embiid and James Harden like Jason Tatum was and stat padding just so he can get 50 points. That was a big argument people had. I sat here and said Jason Tatum folded in the finals last year. He folded in multiple playoff games last year. Jalen Brown was their best player in many of the playoff runs they've went on. So anybody that's saying Jason Tatum was better than Jimmy was crazy to me. And we saw that in this series because guess what, Greg? You know how many field goals through three games Jason Tatum had in the fourth quarter? He had as many as me and you did. He did not score a single basket in the fourth quarter for three games in a seven-game series. And I think even in game uh, six in which they won, I think he had one basket. One basket. That's not a star player. A star player is Jimmy Butler who started off terrible in game six, had 15 points in the fourth, 
didn't wasn't aggressive yesterday turned up in the second half to bury the celtics that's a star player jimmy butler was the best player in that series yesterday or in, in the, the boston series against the denver nuggets Nikola Jokic is the best player in that series but i'm not going to sit here and tell you that jimmy can't go toe for toe to him we saw uh, jimmy go toe to toe with lebron james in the 2020 finals the greatest player of all time in my opinion he was guarding him and matching him bucket for bucket so i think jimmy can go toe to toe with anybody I did have a lot of concern that for four straight games, Jimmy didn't look as aggressive as he should be. But I don't want to sit here and, and worry about injury just because a guy didn't play well. I hate when people do that. I watch all these Boston Celtics favorite broadcasts with Reggie Miller and Stan Van Gundy. And anytime someone plays bad for the Celtics or another team, they say, oh, they must be hurt. Why can't it just be the Miami Heater playing good defense? I don't want to hear about Jason Tatum and his hurt ankle yesterday. If you're out there, you're healthy. And Tatum was playing it up because he could blow past guys and dunk the ball. But then anytime he missed a shot, he's acting like his ankle's hurting. It doesn't work like that. Not to mention Jimmy Butler had a severe sprain in his ankle uh, just last series as well. Okay, And obviously the Heat have had other guys missing. So I don't hear any Celtics complain about injury. But is Jimmy hurt? He might be. He might not be. But he's out there playing. So I'm not using that as an excuse. The aggressiveness is concerning. Because he had a bad game three, a bad game four. Uh, no, a bad game four, a bad game five. Uh, and I would have bet my life he would have dominated game six. He did not. Uh, and I also would have bet my life he would have dominated game seven. Now, he didn't. Uh, he played very well. But the flow of the game was a little different. Everybody was kind of cooking. So he was allowed to take a back seat. So I'm going to assume he's healthy. I'm going to assume he just had a bad couple games and was trying to learn how to defer since you had so many other guys playing well. But at the end of the day, if you need Jimmy, he's going to come through. So if they can keep these games close next series, I will bet the house on Jimmy Butler that he'll get it done. Yeah, and make, mo- make no mistake, uh, even if I said I thought Jokic probably would have the better stats to Jimmy Butler, uh, I'm never going to actively bet against the guy. Like, I will not be putting my own money against Jimmy Butler in the series. I just uh, I just think odds-wise, although I'm not going to do the probability thing because we all know I had a good bit over that and a whole lot of fun and uh, man, my bit was almost ruined by the Celtics, but thank goodness that it all evened out in the end. It was all okay. By the way, I can say this now because if I said it and the result was different yesterday, people would have not listened and said it was a big excuse. Even if the Celtics had won, that's not a 97-3 to spread. 97-3 to spread means you're getting swept, bro. Like, I don't know what is coming out of that. Uh, I don't even know what the probability is on the Nuggets heat right now, but 89. I'm just going to laugh because it's 89. Yeah. Wow. So it's not even just a Celtics thing. Like analytics, just, they just hate you guys. Damn. Yeah. I, I can't explain it. I mean, time and time again, Jimmy Butler proves that when it comes to the playoff time, he's a top five player in the league. He's one of the greatest players of all time. If you look at the games he's had, that game three triple-double in 2020, the game five triple-double, the 56 points versus Milwaukee, the 47 points in an elimination game in Boston last year. Time and time again, he comes up clutch. And not to mention his Heat team as a whole, every time their back is pushed against the wall, they win. They come through. That's what happens when you have dogs on the team. So to be any kind of underdog in any series is wild to me. The Heat were up 3-0, and in every single game, they were underdogs. In these specific games, even in game four, five, six, seven, they were underdogs in every single game. It's very unfortunate that it's hard to, to gamble on sports in Florida. Otherwise, I thought, I I thought game four was the one. I thought game four was the one that they were like one and a half point favorites. Well, the home team usually gets a three point edge just to start with. So for them to be at one and a half, I don't consider that a favorite. 
Uh, but unfortunately, it's hard to bet on the games here. Otherwise, I would have made a ton of money. But I was on my some of my player prop apps that are legal here, and I was just smashing the Jason Tatum unders, and the money was rolling in. So it was a good time. The Jason Tatum second half unders. That's easy money. The money was rolling in. So. Yeah, by the way, I don't think I ever actually followed up on this, but I did check it when you mentioned taking the first half line in game one. The Heat are plus four and a half in the first half. I love that play. I think four and a half is a good hefty bunch right there. So I got no problem taking that. I could see that um, it's hard to bet on final scores because if it's not very close with about six minutes left, you don't know if coaches are just going to throw in the towel and put all the subs in and nothing's going to mean anything with the garbage time and you don't know how scoring will shake out. So in that sense, it's kind of hard, but I think for first half, I really like that play at heat plus four and a half. And I probably will actually put some money at that one. So, uh, yeah, man game. What is it? Is it Thursday when it starts Thursday, June 1st, eight 30. Okay. So they get like two days rest. You know, they're not dying. They're not having to do that every other day for once. This is, this is good for the heat. I like it. Yeah, will it help 38-year-old Kyle Lowry and 47-year-old Kevin Love? Maybe not, but, you know, the rest of the guys <laughs> could be good. Kevin Love has never lost an Eastern Conference playoff series, and that is something that didn't change yesterday. Kevin Love, the curse was not broken there. Well, I heard a, a crazier than that to add on top of it. Actually, every time he's made the playoffs, he's made the finals. That's a true statistic as well. Wow, so he never made it with Minnesota. Well, because it makes sense. I mean, Kevin Jimmy Garnett. I mean, Minnesota made an MVP it one time with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Was that when they were the eight? Was he on that team? And then they lost to the Houston team that won sixty-five games. Uh, you talking the Minnesota team? Yeah, yeah. I think it came down to them in Denver for that eight seed that one year. That's why all this slander Jimmy Butler gets it don't make no sense. Think about it. Minnesota, you know, before Ant started popping off the last year or two, they made the finals about one or the playoffs about one time in 15 years. Jimmy Butler was on the team. Philadelphia 76ers, every single year, they're a second round exit. And the one year that they were closest, they were one Kawhi wild bounce away from making the conference finals. That's the year Jimmy Butler was there. The Miami Heat couldn't do nothing for four or five years with James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Goran Dragic, and that squad. You get Jimmy Butler the very next year, you're in the NBA finals three out of the next four Eastern Conference Finals. It's not a coincidence with Jimmy Butler anymore. This guy is a lock for the Hall of Fame. Stan Van Gundy was on the broadcast yesterday, or maybe it was Reggie Miller uh, debating. It's not a debate. The guy's a Hall of Famer. The guy's a top 10 player in the league. And when it comes to the playoffs, he's a top five player, which is the most important stuff. That's why I always said this guy is a top 10 player in the league. People want to say James Harden. That Nothing used to get me more annoyed the last two, three years when people would say James Harden is better than Jimmy Butler. If you look... If you look at the playoffs, I don't understand how you can say that. And I put my money where my mouth is too because I smashed the James Harden under in game seven. Guy had like two points at halftime. I was chilling. Jimmy Butler is the definition of a star player. And to all these kids growing up what now, and, and uh, if you're a coach and you want to show these kids what it means to be a superstar and what it takes, Jimmy Butler is the textbook example from where he came from. Not the most athletic guy, but a guy who his mentality is rock solid. His work ethic is phenomenal, and I don't understand how anybody can't be rooting for the Miami Heat. And I understand what you're saying. You know, you you would be happy to see them too because the story is great. He is very hard not to love Jimmy Butler, and for a long time he was just the most hated on guy. He's looked at on as a diva. He was looked at as a locker room cancer. And all I saw is a guy who wanted to win. 
I celebrated so much the day that he traded for him because I saw all that back then. I saw him taking the third stringers in Minnesota and beating the starters because he was mad at how soft Cat was. I saw him in Chicago where the only guys with work ethic was him, D-Wade, and Rondo, and you had a bunch of young guys who looked like they didn't care. And people looked at as him being some kind of uh, diva, cancer, a guy who never won. I looked at it as a guy who wants to do everything he can, uh, everything he can to win, and he wants to be surrounded by people that feel the same. And that's why the, uh, his fit with the Heat has been a match made in heaven. By the way, back to James Harden. I think that 2018 Rockets team might have won 67 games and not 65. So I might uh, might just correct myself. But actually, I do want to leave with this because this has been a killer episode, and I can't wait for the finals. Going back to Jimmy Butler and what every kid or coach or anyone who just likes basketball and is invested in the game should go and watch is the clip he said last night when somebody asked him about role players and he said, I don't call them role players. I call them teammates because your role can change on any given night. And I think that, yeah, on the surface, that's so like media behavior and answer question, but Jimmy Butler's not like that. He's not a guy that's going to say something that he doesn't really mean from the heart. And, uh, you could tell that that attitude really just beaming in the locker room because Caleb Martin didn't go out there like he was a role player. Gabe Vincent didn't go out there like he was a role player that came from the Big West Conference. Uh, Max Struess was at DePaul. Okay, like I, I think that's just a really powerful lesson for a team. Jimmy Butler's not going to be looked at in most regular seasons. as Is he a top 10 player in the league? Like, let's be honest. Like, no one's ever going to put Devin Booker behind Jimmy Butler or uh, Jason Tatum or, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I could think of a bunch of examples off the top of my head, but that's kind of pointless at this point. The message is there. Um, so to just refer to his, uh, his teammates as a teammate, doesn't matter if it's Bam, doesn't matter if it's Kevin Love, it doesn't matter if it's uh, Kyle Lowry, who has aged another year in his nice little career he's had. Um, it's pretty cool. So uh, again, if the Heat make this a series and, they start approaching trophy territory, then there's nothing about me that's going to be upset. There's nothing about my prediction being wrong that's going to make me sad at all. And, uh, you know, same does go for Denver. If Jokic and Murray get that ring and Mike Malone gets his ring, then it's well-earned. I don't feel like I'm going to walk away from this finals thinking that this NBA season was a wash. And uh, just the amount of parity that was in the league overall this year was really something to appreciate. And I'm saying that as a guy that got to enjoy the favorite winning a lot of games. And I understand that it's great for the league, what we've seen over this year. And I hope that we continue to see a lot of this even playing field of competition for the next few years to come, because it's going to make the playoffs just incredible as this one has been. Yeah. I, somehow uh, in the madness of Twitter yesterday and everything I had going on, uh, I didn't hear that quote by Jimmy Butler about the role players. I have to go back and hear that because that is a phenomenal quote. When I think about this Heat team and I think about how every night it's a different guy stepping up, I think Jimmy would even argue, and I agree with this, that he is a role player. His role, nine times out of ten, is to be the star. But that is still a role. Now, what does being a star player mean? That's a role that changes every night because sometimes we'll see him score 47, 56 points. Sometimes we'll see him have a triple-double with 10, 11, 12 assists. If he sees Duncan Robinson's five or six from three, if Max Struess is doing the, thing, uh, the same, if Caleb Martin is hitting shots like Kobe Bryant everywhere on the court, his, his role was just to be a facilitator because he can do it all. That's a, another thing that makes him a great player. But I think uh, that's, a great, that's a great quote because he'd argue that even he's a role player. Uh, 
and and everybody is in a sense because there's different roles every single night that they play. I mean, Caleb Martin, who would have thought that? I almost wish Caleb would have won the Eastern Conference MVP just because of how fitting it would have been to this Heat team that it's a different guy stepping up every night. Uh, and I just think looking back in 20 years and seeing that would, would be hilarious. Unless Caleb turns into some some superstar Hall of Famer in the next few years. I don't know. I, I can't believe we have that guy locked up for $7 million next year. That That's crazy. But uh, the thing I love most about Jimmy's mindset that you saw in the postgame uh, celebration also is he wasn't celebrating. He sat there. Uh, he got his little Eastern Conference trophy, held it up for about a half a second, and went to the back. Uh, there's even the video going around when Bam was holding the main trophy, tried to give it to Jimmy, and Jimmy kind of denied it. I love seeing that. Jimmy's been to the finals before. Jokic hasn't. Keep that in mind. Jimmy's been there before. This is nothing for Jimmy. And I like seeing that he acknowledges the job's not finished. He's not here to win Eastern Conference championships because, one, that means nothing to him. And, two, he's done it before. So I love seeing that. It's something I used to see from LeBron back in the day. I remember in 2011, uh, he celebrated that first Eastern Conference championship when they went uh, and they beat, I guess that was Boston that year, too. Maybe that, No, Chicago that first year. And he celebrated it. He obviously had a huge collapse in the finals, couldn't score on J.D. Brea, whatever. Then the next year, they went, they beat the uh, the Celtics to go to the conference finals, and he did not celebrate. And I love to see it because as a fan, I didn't care about that stupid trophy, and he didn't care about that trophy. Jimmy Butler's the same way. He's a killer, uh, and I think uh, we're going to see a lot of that in the next series. And they're going to need to because I'm not going to disrespect the Denver Nuggets at all. I could see from a mile away that the Heat could – well. I had them getting dominated by the Bucs, but once I saw Jimmy came to play, I saw how that series was going to go. Of course, I knew the Knicks weren't going to beat us, and I had no respect for the Celtics because I think they are the most overrated team in the league, and I think Jason Tatum is the most overrated star in the league too. I won't make that. Uh, I won't make those same assumptions with the Denver Nuggets. Got a lot of respect for that team because they are a team and play as such, uh, and they're really solid one through eight. Uh, but we got some dogs on this team, man, and dogs could take you a long way. They really can I can't wait. Just no matter what, it's going to be incredibly competitive. And uh, I'll text you that um, the Jimmy Butler role player quote, because that was a really good one. Oh, so, please do. Please uh, do. And Anthony, thanks so much for coming on the show. I want to give you credit because you were agreeing to come on no matter what before this uh, series even ended. So I'm glad that we got to do it and also look forward to what the Heat still had left to play. Yeah, too many people hiding, man. Like, I came pretty strong on Twitter saying the Heat would win this series. After the three losses in a row, I came on Twitter and said they would win. And I said, man, this is going to be ugly if they lose. Uh, and I'm also not one of those fans that would rather be right than uh, than happy uh, because I did initially, of course, pick them to get – I think I picked them to get swept by Milwaukee just like they did in 2021. Very reasonable considering they lost their first playing game to the Hawks, almost lost the second. Uh, but yeah, I was thrilled to see that they lost. If someone wanted to find receipts on me, they could find a ton because I was one of the more pessimistic Heat fans uh, this entire regular season, uh, specifically with a lot of guys like Kyle Lowry, who I seem to be right about, but also Duncan Robinson, who is actually having a really great playoff run too. But all in all, I'm just happy they won. If they would have lost, would have still had to come on here and talk about it. Uh, but at least now I'm doing it uh, in a quite excited and happy way. So I'm looking forward to the finals too, man, because we're going to have more to talk about, man. So there'll be more coming soon. Absolutely. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Anthony D underscore heat. That is a team that has won the Eastern conference second ever eight seed to reach this point, And they could be the first ever eight seed to win it all. We will see the finals tip off on Thursday. And the thing I'm going to leave everyone with, as far as the betting goes, 
Make sure if you're going to place a bet on Nikola Jokic, you don't accidentally pick the Heat rookie Nikola Jovic. You will probably lose a lot of money thinking you're getting great odds on that. Double check the spelling. That is it. That is what I will leave you with. And we got at least four more games in this awesome NBA season. So as always, rate, subscribe, follow me on Twitter at Grego Silver. Follow Anthony at Anthony D underscore Heat. And please... While we have just a week or so left in this season, keep screaming. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.